When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to Tuesday's edition of the Football Social Daily. The Premier League title race has been put on hold this week, temporary hold at least, as Manchester City and Liverpool switch focus in their treble, quadruple, multi-trophy winning thingamajig as they focus on the Champions League and the FA Cup. And it's the Champions League where we kick off on today's show, but strangely enough, not with City or with Liverpool, but with the small matter of defending champions Chelsea. Thomas Tuchel says they'll need an almost impossible result if they want to turn things around in Madrid tonight. Keyword there, Thomas, being almost. They're 3-1 down from the first leg, obviously, and up against European royalty in the form of Real Madrid. It will be one for the ages for Blues fans if they flip the script. But Tuchel is not giving up hope, despite the odds being stacked right against them. In part two, we're going to check out the latest promotion picture in the Championship. All eyes will be turning to the new faces in the Premier League next season. Fulham and Bournemouth look all, almost, I'm starting to talk, sound like uh, Thomas Tuchel, they look almost certain to be set for a top flight comeback in 2022. So the big question is who from the playoff pack will be joining them? And then to wrap it all up on today's show, we're talking transfers. Paul Pogba is back on PSG's radar. There's absolutely no way that could go badly for Pogba or for PSG. Manchester City are linked with a big La Liga star and a former Newcastle quote flop. That's not a quote from me. That's a quote from the Daily Mirror. And Danny Ings, remember him? Well, he could be going back to the South Coast, not to Southampton, but to another big wig on the South Coast. So plenty to get through, as always, on a busy midweek show. My name's Fergal Brennan. Joining me on Tuesday duty, we have Marley Anderson. It's grim, it's miserable. The weather, that is. Not you, Marley. How are you doing? <laughs> well, it could be uh, it could be worse. Jim Jim described me as uh, as dour a few weeks ago, so um, yeah, I'll I'll take I'll take grim and miserable if that's a, if that's a reflection of of the weather, then even better. Yeah, how are you doing? That's a horrible comment from Jim. I think we're gonna we're gonna discuss workplace bullying after we've finished the podcast. That's yeah. that's that's Jim well, just that's Jim just picking on you. Yeah, I got a I got a pair eyes out of it, so you know I took him for all he's got. <laughs> Fair enough. That's the way to that's the way to negotiate it. Forget Mino Raiola, etc. Marley is your man if you want to get yourself a pay rise. Uh, <laughs> alongside Marley, we have uh, the sports socials homegrown hero Joel Tudor. How are we doing? I'm good, thank you. Good morning. 
Very good, very good. We're not going to have any more weather puns. We're going to get straight into the football um, because allegedly that's what we know more about than weather. So Real Madrid against Chelsea tonight, Marley. It's a difficult one. We said almost impossible in the intro in the words of, uh, of Thomas Tuchel. In, in turning this around, Karen Benzema was was supreme at the, Stam- at the Stamford Bridge. At Stamford Bridge, he tore them a new one, Champions League hat-trick, two of the best headers you'll ever see. And, and Chelsea are in a really, really difficult position. No away goals in the Champions League this season, obviously, but they need two goals with no reply to get it back level. They need three goals with no reply to go through. They did put Real Madrid out of the Champions League last season, but 12 months on with the situation with sanctions and bans and... And all the confusion and uncertainty swirling around Chelsea at the moment. Tuchel will do his best to rally the troops and, and maybe get an absolute freak result. But this does look to be going in one direction. Yeah, it, it does. Um, I think the uh, the away goals rule changing and being scrapped um, helps Chelsea, obviously. But still, to go and win 2-0 in Madrid is is a tough, is a, a real tough ask. Um, I think the... The key for me as to why Chelsea, as to why I think this is going to be too much for Chelsea is, like Tuchel was saying sort of um, after the first leg that the the tactics didn't work very well because Vinicius was was finding space inside the the Chelsea wingbacks um, and Benzema was was able to help him and link up and it was two versus three and it was... It was um, a hard sort of situation for for Chelsea to get used to, and that's why they couldn't really shackle uh, Vinicius for his his assist for the first goal, um, and they couldn't keep an eye on on Benzema as tight as they would have liked, um, and that hasn't changed. Like, there's nothing, you know. The Chelsea are better with a back five. They they look really poor with a back four. Um, they they don't seem to be able to to switch to it as as comfortably because the the uh, natural fullbacks in in that system aren't aren't brilliant with with Marcos Alonso playing at left back he's he's nowhere near as good as he is at left wing back and he's the only real option that they've got there so um i don't see the ch- the tactics changing and therefore i don't see the the pattern of play changing enough to warrant chelsea uh, a 2 or 3 nil win i think um the the win over southampton was was nice and confidence boosting obviously but I mean, I don't. We're not an award-winning podcast for for us saying that Southampton aren't Real Madrid. It's you know, it's two different ponds of of uh, of talent there. So, yeah, I think um, it'll be it'll be slightly too much. I wouldn't put a, a win or a, a draw past Chelsea at all. Um, but I can't see them winning by two and then forcing it to extra time, or by three and and taking it on the night. I, I think the task has been too big thanks to that debacle in the in the first leg. Looking at the team news for Thomas Tuchel going into this, Joel, there is a problem in attack. No Romelu Lukaku. Timo Werner came back into the team for the 6-0 win over Southampton, got himself a couple of goals, but we all know the script with, with Timo Werner at Chelsea. He, he just can't score. He got himself a couple this weekend, but first Premier League goal since the start of October when we're talking about someone that cost, I think it was in and around 70 million when all the add-ons and everything got thrown in. He's big, big money and he's he's massively underperformed. So is Romelu Lukaku. Cesar Azpilicueta is back in the squad, but as Marley said, from the first leg, despite being a real solid character for Chelsea generally, he was one of the weak links. It just didn't really work. Reese James on one side, Azpilicueta on the other. They both came out of the team at the weekend. Marcus Alonso came back in. Matteo Kovacic came into midfield instead of Jorginho for, for a bit more bite. 
we know Real Madrid's team. You can almost close your eyes and, and pick it. They don't have many major injury issues. They've got the three lads. I don't even need to say their names. They've got the three lads in midfield. They've got Benzema and Vinicius up top. Chelsea's starting eleven is the one that we maybe a bit more guesswork around, but they need to go for this. They need to be aggressive in midfield. They need to put Real Madrid under pressure because they do have a mountain to climb. But we've seen that these results can get turned around. And the Champions League, not to be too cheesy about it, does still have some magic around it. We've seen Liverpool do it against Barcelona, Barcelona do it against PSG. But you just don't feel that confidence around Chelsea that this could be one of those nights, even if they do give it a bash. Well, I think the, the biggest difference between the two sides is the fact that one's got a, a well, one team has a striker who's the perfect number nine in absolutely every sense of the word where he's an amazing finisher, he presses, he's amazing on the ball, his link-up play is incredible, and then you switch over to Chelsea and they basically paid £100 to try and get that kind of impact and it's just not worked at all. Obviously, Lukaku is probably one of the best strikers in the world when he arrived from Inter Milan, easily the best in Serie A that season. Um and it's just he just doesn't fit into the system that Tuchel wants, and it's not even a a surprise for anyone as well because when Lukaku was at Manchester United, even when they played against the smaller, sorry, the bigger teams, he would just disappear completely. I think the only game that he ever appeared for us in was the Paris Saint Germain game away from home, um, where he scored a couple. But apart from that it was far and few between and I think this is the biggest difference now when you don't have a striker especially for a top team and he's not the focal point of your team you've got a difficult task because then you've got the likes of Pulisic, Zayic um, uh, Havertz trying to pull in with the goals and then the guys behind them have got to try and chip in and uh, sure against Southampton that's fine it works but against Real Madrid where they've got such a, a sure team, they're going to go on for another La Liga title in the next couple of weeks easily. It's just an uphill task. And I think with the amount of disruption that's around Chelsea at the moment as well, it's just, it's not the right time for them. I don't think there's just too much going on and there's too much noise and there's just too much not working in the side. Even when you look at the defence, um, they conceded seven goals in two games at home prior to that Southampton game. And before that, at Stamford Bridge, that was completely unheard of. Um, you'd be lucky to get one or two there, let alone four from Brentford. So I think that's where you can see there's just massive frailties in the defence, especially. And when you've got the likes of, you know, Christensen, who's apparently agreed a pre-contract with Barcelona, you've got Thiago Silva, who, you know, although he is still a great defender, he is ageing. Then you've got Antonio Rudiger, who, again, has not agreed a contract. I mean, it's it's a messy situation for Chelsea. They might find themselves having to redo that whole defence when it comes to the summer, if they're even allowed to buy players. So you're it's, it's a team who's very assured, very comfortable. Like you said, Fergal, they know exactly the team. You know exactly who, how they're going to play. They've got a striker who is world-class, probably the best player in the world at the moment in Benzema. And you go over to Chelsea and it's just... It's just disrupted. It's not settled at all. Um, and I just don't see Real Madrid not scoring at the Bernabeu. Obviously, it's happened a couple of weeks ago when Barcelona beat them, I think, 4-0 at the Bernabeu. Uh, but and they lost to PSG as well, yeah, the home leg. Yeah, true. Um, but again, I just don't see them not scoring, especially with the form that Benzema's in at the moment. I just think it's... It's in it. And like I say, with their defensive frailties in Chelsea, I just do not see that being the case. But like we've said, they're the European champions. It's thrown up a lot of ridiculous 
um, nights in Europe. So who knows? But no, I, I definitely think Real Madrid will probably win it on the night again, I think. Uh, right, let's call this before we take a break. Marley, Real Madrid, as Joel says, probably romping home to a defence, not defence, sorry, it was Atletico last season, to taking the La Liga title off Atletico. They lost just one in the last nine. That was the, the El Clasico against Barcelona. 3-1 up from the first leg. Give it to us. How's this going down tonight? Uh, I think it'll be... I think it'll be... I don't know, I was going to say 1-1, but... Yeah, yeah, probably... Yeah, plump for 1-1, because... I think Real Madrid are good enough to, like, if if they do ship a a goal, they can they they're good enough to shut up shop, um, and if they need to, you know, obviously they have got that two goal cushion, and they have got the experience and the know how of how to just sit on it and and ride it out. I think so. Um, I'll probably go for for one one, um, and Chelsea to to go out. I think. So one all on the night in Madrid. Real Madrid going through to the last four. It is a difficult task for for Chelsea to get through this one. Are you giving them a prayer, Joel, or do you think this is done? Um, no, I definitely think Real Madrid will go through. Uh, I just think that, like Marley said, considering they've got the two goal cushion, I don't think they're gonna want to overcommit too much on the night um, because you know one goal early from Chelsea and everything looks very different then. So. I still think Real Madrid will win t- probably 2-1, but I just don't see them going crazy for it early on just because, like we say, one goal can change. The next goal basically changes the game. Uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with Marley. I'm going to go one all score draw. Maybe a bit of a thriller, possibly 2-2, but I just think it's done for Chelsea. Uh, unfortunate, but if you're going to get hammered 3-1 at home in the Champions League, you are probably out. The other big Champions League game tonight is Real away at Bayern Munich. Unai Emre side winning 1-0 in the first leg. They're up against it as well, but if they get through, they could be facing either Manchester City or Liverpool in the semi-finals right we're going to grab a quick break and from the glamour of the champions league to the slightly more realistic workaday championship yes we're going to be talking about the playoffs the promotion picture and who will be playing in the premier league next season all that to come in just a sec football social daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Tuesday's edition of the Football Social Daily. Part one was all about the Champions League and part two we are looking at the Championship. Yes, the return to the Premier League for three lucky sides this season. Who is going to be in the Premier League? Who is going to miss out? And who is going to be getting some unfortunate playoff heartbreak? Marley, I'm going to go to you first on this in terms of the picture as it is. 
Premier League fans will be keeping an eye on the Championship, but to be fair to the majority of Premier League supporters, they only really look at it now when they want to know who's coming up, who's going to be facing their team next season. So as it stands, Fulham, Bournemouth are in the box seat for the automatic spots. Fulham, 40 games played, 83 points. Bournemouth, 39 games played and 73. So if Bournemouth get at least one win, they'll probably open up what's going to be a seven-point gap ahead of the playoffs. So you would... To quote Thomas Tuchel, you'd say they're almost there. Fulham, Bournemouth back in the Premier League. So I want to look at the playoff picture because it's always so exciting. And particularly if the Premier League and your team in the Premier League is, is not doing brilliantly, there's not a massive amount to play for in the final weeks of the season. The playoffs are brilliant to watch because you can just throw it all in on it. You can kind of pick yourself a team, back them to go up and then inevitably get it wrong and they they, they, they lose out. So Huddersfield a third, Nottingham Forest fourth, Luton fifth, Sheffield United sixth. Form is king to steal an old cliche and Nottingham Forest are the team in form. Five successive Premier League um, championship wins going into this. We've seen bits of them in the FA Cup this season from a Premier League perspective. They knocked out Arsenal, they knocked out Leicester and they took Liverpool all the way to the last 10 minutes. It would be great to see them back. I think from what I've been looking at, they're the third longest stretch outside of the Premier League other than Swindon and Oldham. It was 1999, the last time they were in the Premier League. Is it time we got Forrest back in the Premier League? Um... <laughs> Well, they've waited a long time for it. I don't, I'm not sure if that means they deserve it. In, in fairness, um, I, I don't know because I, I feel like we're gonna have a, a, a big sort of historic team back in the back in the Premier League because you got Forest, you got Sheffield United who might come back, and Blackburn and Middlesbrough aren't far away as well. Um, and then in that mix, you've got Luton Town with the little 10,000 capacity stadium and, and Huddersfield, who recently dropped out, being in there as well. So it's it's pretty much wide open. You know, I don't think anyone's going to catch Bournemouth in second to, to push their way into the automatic promotion places. Um, but Forest are well-placed to do so because they've got those two games in hand on uh, on Huddersfield just above them. And if they win them both, you know, they're, they're, they're what, three points clear of... Of Huddersfield in third, so it's um it's a huge transfer for us. I don't, don't think they've been this close in years. I think they've almost made the playoffs in the last few years, um, a couple of times, um, but they've not really got the infrastructure around the club to to put a full push together. And I think after seven or eight games this season, they were bottom of the league. I think um until Steve Clark came in, uh, Steve Clark, Steve Cooper came in, um, he's been you know, he's completely transformed the club and took them on a, a mad run where they could end up with promotion and they've had the cup runs as well, which has been, you know, amazing for them and knocking out Leicester and, and Arsenal and, you know, putting up a really good fight against Liverpool as well. So over the course of the season, you probably say they deserve it, but um, it's, it's the championship is just an absolute... Uh, just gamble. It could be anything. It's an absolute tombola of who comes up, especially when you uh, you go into the playoffs and even the playoff picture itself comes usually comes down to the last two minefield. or three games of the season. Yeah, yeah, total minefield. It's minefield. It's it's um it's not over till the fat lady sings. To to be honest, and with still you know uh what six seven games to go. You know, there's still a long way to go. So it's uh it's looking like Forest at the minute, but. If you start counting in form into the championship, you're uh, you're asking for trouble, really. 
If you look at the picture from from a Premier League perspective, Joel, Fulham, Bournemouth, you would expect that that box is ticked. Fulham have probably been a bit more of a yo-yo side than Bournemouth. To give to give Bournemouth credit, particularly under Eddie Howe, they were generally for a block of time nice and solid in the Premier League. They would be pretty much in a relegation battle most seasons, but they got out of it nine times out of ten and then dropped down to the Championship. There's clubs with the tag of big clubs lower down and include Forest in that Sheffield United Blackburn Rovers obviously Premier League champions back in the day and even someone like Middlesbrough Marley I know you're not going to like this they are in the bracket of a maybe a bigger bigger club than Bournemouth I'm not saying they are a big club but they played European football they've had success in the Cups during the Premier League era which someone like a Bournemouth doesn't who would you like to see back in the Premier in, back in the Premier League or in the Premier League for the first time because you can go for a Forest, who've got this huge history, successive European champions back in the 70s. Or you could go for an absolute wild card, like Luton Town, the little ground, the fact that you've got to go through someone's garden to get into the away end. There's a, there's different options on the table. Where Who would you like to see in the Premier League next season? Would you want to be running through someone's back garden watching United away at Luton? Or do you want to be going back to Ewell Park, going to Bramall Lane, or going to the city ground at Forest? I can't lie, I do like the teams who've either never been in it or have been far away from being in it. So, you know, like you say, Luton Town. I was looking at their turnstile and it goes in between two people's houses to get into it. Imagine the, the chaos when they're just watching like Coronation Street at half seven. They can just hear fans going mental in between <laughs> your houses. It's just, it's bizarre. I've never seen a, a stadium like it in my life. Um, so I would love to see teams like that get in it just because I know that their fans would just be waiting for this moment. And also... You know, Nottingham Forest, they've been out of the Premier League and they're such a historic club as well in terms of their history. Um, I think, was it back in the 80s? So I, I do prefer those sides rather than, for example, you know, Huddersfield and Sheffield United. No disrespect to them, but they are like yo-yo sides. Same with Norwich, you know, where they come up, they go down, they come up, they go down. I'd rather see some of the team come in and actually try and stake a claim in the league and just make it their own a little bit more uh, but actually you know judging off Bournemouth's fixtures which I was just looking at then they have got a really tough running um, as it comes to the end of the season they've still got to play the likes of Blackburn Fulham and they've got to play Nottingham Forest on the second to last day of the season so I don't know if it's such a sure fit for them um, considering how long they've been in that second place position. But yeah, like you both say, it's just when it comes to the final six games in that league, it's just whoever can pull up a little bit of consistency is getting in the places. I mean, I wouldn't even rule out the likes of Millwall and Coventry potentially making a claim on those positions because they all end up playing each other towards the end and it ends up just switching around so many times so um, yeah and like like we've seen with Fulham as well it's like Mitrovic I think he's got what 39 goals in the league this season and then when it comes to the Premier League Premier League will end up getting like five it's just incredible how he has missed the championship isn't he and then when it comes to the Premier League he just kind of falls off a cliff a little bit but um, they do look much stronger and better equipped than they were last time they were in the league so um, I do expect Forest I think to finish second I would back them but again form kind of goes out the window when you've got eight nine ten teams all battling for those four positions uh, but I do want I would like to see the likes of Luton and that madness of a turnstile to get into the league <laughs> 
So, Marley, uh, Joel is dreaming of peeping in through someone's curtains when United are getting beat at Luton next uh, next season so we can catch up on Coronation Street when, when United <laughs> are losing 3-0. Who, who would you like to see? Uh, Newcastle are going to have Kylian Mbappe and Erling Haaland next season. Would you like them to be going to Luton or, or where would you like them to be going? <laughs> Um, out of out of everyone in the picture, I'd 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 like Blackburn to get back. Um, if I'm honest, I th- I think they haven't been anywhere near promotion in in terms of the past five, six, seven years. I don't even know how long they were. Um, they've how long it was till they got in in the playoffs. Even I don't know if they've ever even been in the playoffs in the championship. Mm. Um, so for that, I think I would I would like to see them. They've also got, in my opinion, the probably the the standout player of the the second uh, second tier which is Ben Brereton um well now Ben Brereton Diaz as he found a Spanish passport and stuck Diaz on on the back of his name but you know he got 20 goals before just after christmas i think he got his his 20 goals for them which is a massive reason as to why they're seventh um if you look at their history you know of of winning the premier league former premier league winners i'd like to see them come come back um and and crash that playoff thing. I think they're uh, the two points off it, so it's you know that could, could easily they could easily go ahead of Luton or Sheffield United, um, and maybe even Forest if if things go their way. But yeah, out of everyone with a realistic shot, I'd I'd like to see Blackburn, and uh, and if not, probably Huddersfield because I went to uni there and I, I know the town and the city quite well, so it'd be nice to see them back as well. Yeah, Blackburn would be my pick as well. I'm old enough, unfortunately, to remember back to the mid-90s and the big collars and Chris Sutton and Alan Shearer and Kenny Daglish, Jason Wilcox, Stuart Ripley whipping in crosses and, and Blackburn somehow managing to win the Premier League. So they're my pick. But as we said before, form is always king in these positions and Forrest are the team in form. But if I could pick, if I had a golden ticket as to who would be in the Premier League next season, it will be Blackburn. Right, we're going to wrap it up for part two of today's edition of the show. After the break, we are talking transfers. The transfer window is still shut. It's going to be creaking open at the end of the campaign and the rumour mill is already in full swing. We're going to be talking about Paul Pogba, Mikel Marino and Danny Ings. All that to come in just a sec. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Tuesday's edition of the Football Social Daily. As always, here on FSD, right the way up until the end of the campaign, we are your go-to, your one-stop shop for all things Premier League. A daily Premier League podcast, an award-winning, I should say, daily Premier League podcast. If you hit subscribe up the top, you can get access to a brand new episode every single day. Right, we're going to talk transfers. Uh, Joel, I'm going to go to you first on this because it involves Manchester United or probably this summer, not Manchester United. Paul Pogba's contract at Old Trafford is up at the end of the season. It is more than likely that he's not going to sign an extension and that his second spell at Manchester United is over. According to reports in France this morning, PSG want him. Now, he would be a free transfer, so there'd be no fee involved. It would just be a contract. PSG collecting expensive trinkets for their ultimate failing Champions League side, surely them going for Paul Pogba can't go wrong. Well, I mean, it's gone wrong this season, hasn't it? And they've 
got a star-studded side and they love the free transfers in the summer. They even got, what, Sergio Ramos and Messi on a free transfer. Well, we say free, but I'm sure they absolutely bankrolled themselves getting them back. Um, but for me, it's just, I think it's just the right time to cut the cord now. And it should never have even got to this stage where United have totally mismanaged the situation. They've let one of the star assets go down to the final months of his contract. Um, I don't understand why it wasn't agreed earlier on. And I also don't understand why they haven't set a deadline for him to sign because I hate the the fact that, you know, players can literally wait and delay and delay their decision until, you know, a month before it actually expires. I mean, United are bigger than any player that's at the club. So you have to just, I think you have to draw a line in the sand and say, if you don't sign by this date, that the, the, the offer's off the table. Um, and then the, the club can start planning ahead a little bit. I don't know what his decision making is. Maybe he's waiting for a new manager. Maybe he is really unsure of what to do. But for me, it's the right time to just call it quits with everything that comes around him. I've heard that he's a super nice guy and I don't think it's a case of him being like a toxic guy in the change room or something. But is the fact that his agent is just a problem and it just causes more issues than not. Every single international break, you hear murmurs from that side about him wanting to go to this place and that place and why everything's so wrong at United. And for me, it's a case of just, it's time to cut the cord. And um, United only have themselves to blame. They could have got probably 50 million out of a deal last summer. And now they're going to get absolutely nothing again, five years later, as he did when he went to Juventus. Um, so it's just a ridiculous scenario. But, you know, the clowns that run this club like a circus, it just doesn't surprise me anymore. So they only have themselves to blame. And I just think if he wants to realise his potential, this is not the right club to do it at right now, unless we start acting like a big club again. So I think PSG, obviously he'll get nice numbers there, as every player does, apart from if you're Lionel Messi. Um, <laughs> and and you have to, and he'll get nice numbers and he'll get nice assists and he'll score nice goals, etc., etc. And uh, he'll be back at home as well. So I think it's just the best scenario for all parties, if I'm honest. And... Um, it'd probably be a good way for him to start winning some league titles because I think we're so far off. They'll just continue to waste his prime at a club like we are at the moment. I definitely think he'll be getting some nice numbers into his bank account. In terms of nice numbers that he'll be getting on the pitch, um, I don't know if I'd have your confidence, Joel, but Paul Pogba will definitely be getting some nice numbers into his bank account. From a direct Manchester United connection, Marley, to a slightly less direct Newcastle connection, and it involves Manchester City and former Newcastle player Mikel Marino. Now, according to reports from the Manchester Evening News this morning, City are willing to pay his £50 million release clause release clause at Real Sociedad he's been good for Real Sociedad and we're kind of joking about that he was a flop at Newcastle and it didn't work but it was more than likely just right player wrong time at Newcastle he's clearly talented he's become a La Liga regular and he's really really important for Sociedad and they're pushing for Europe they're in the Europa League the last couple of seasons what I don't really understand here is where he fits in at City because Fernandinho is, is going to be phased out in the next 12-18 months but Rodri is first choice in that position. Kevin De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva are first choice either side. And you do need squad numbers. And Ilkay Gundogan comes into that. And you've got Phil Foden who can play a little bit deeper. 50 million for Man City, I know, is not as much as it is for other teams. But this does feel like a bit of a strange move from a player who probably deserves a chance at a bigger club. But is City the right option for him? Is he just going to be another huge star that sits on the bench? 
Uh, yeah, probably. Um, he would be coming in as a as a squad player at City. I think you know, um, he plays literally Rodri's role. Um, he's he's almost a carbon copy of Rodri in in a way. Um, he's tall, athletic, um, can tackle, but he's a great passer. He's very technically very very good. Um, he just brings probably the only difference is he's left footed compared to Rodri, who's stronger on his right. So. Um, I can't see him going. I can't see this happening, to be honest. Even though, if you know, City will add depth, and Man City's depth with the, with the way they operate is fifty million pound players, or sometimes more. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's it's not a surprise to see him want to uh, to get linked with a, a move back because he was only at Newcastle for one season, but he was very very good in that season and. Uh, it was only smart business from Sociedad that took him away because they realised he had a um, a ten million pound release clause um, and took him back to Spain as a, a 21, 22 year old. So it was bad business from us to put the to put that clause in so low. Um, and I think it was only a I think it was a it might have been a clause that was like ten million for Spanish teams only or something like that as well. So it was always likely that someone was going to take a chance and and if it didn't work say well it was only 10 million um but he's he's I, I seen an interview with him a, a couple of months ago about uh about his his time at Newcastle and he, he loved it and he, he liked England and he liked the the style and the the um the competitive nature of the league and stuff like that so it wouldn't be a surprise to see him fancy the move again um and ideally he'd honestly be top of my list for for players that i want to see come back to newcastle in in uh in the summer if if that deal was ever there to be revisited um but for man city he would have to sort of uh weigh everything up very carefully because i think he's like 25 26 and you know if you're going to give your best your best years typically of your career to man city you've got to make sure you 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 know what you're doing and and, uh, and you're going to play enough because if Fernandinho retires, he still has Rodri to shift um, and that's no easy feat when Rodri costs cost what he costs and yeah, I think he's slightly younger as well so it's not like you can wait for him to retire or get injured or whatever because it's not really a smart thing to do but it's a lot of money, it's Champions League every year, it's titles every year and, and that could swing, the, uh, swing it in City's favour I suppose. Uh, final transfer move that we're going to look at, or final transfer gossip story, Joel, is Aston Villa swap deal with Brighton, Yves Basuma going to Villa Park, and Danny Ings going back to the South Coast, not to Southampton, but to Brighton. And the Daily Mirror are covering this, and it, it seems to have some legs to it. Yves Basuma's been linked with a move away. With all due respect to Villa, he's been linked with Champions League teams, Arsenal, Manchester United, potentially even Liverpool. But it's an odd situation for Danny Ings. It was a big, big shock when he went to Villa last summer. And probably the main reason is that nobody, even the biggest ITKs on the internet, nobody saw this coming. It was it was a real old school transfer, teletext transfer, when he just rocked up at Villa Park and said, I'm here now. He signed a three-year deal, but it hasn't really worked. He's got five Premier League goals. He's only scored two in the Premier League since Gerrard came in. A couple of big, big misses against Spurs at the weekend although that wouldn't have turned the tide as, as Tottenham just battered them. But it kind of looks like it hasn't worked. And maybe he rolled the dice thinking, I've got more of a chance at Aston Villa of pushing for Europe than at Southampton. That's not the case. 
And if he goes to Brighton, as positive as Graham Potter is, and everyone likes Brighton, they're, they're a likable team and all that, all that jazz, they're not going to be pushing for Europe. And you'd say that this is probably a backward step for Danny Ings. Yeah, I remember when he actually signed for Villa and it was just totally out of the blue. I don't think there was any rumours or any speculation. He just suddenly appeared on their social medias and he was in an Aston Villa shirt. Um, and that was on the back of, what, a 19-goal season at Southampton in the Premier League. So I think everyone's been quite shocked at the fact that he's not adapted to the the way in which, well, he did while he was at Southampton because I'm sure that's what they were banking on. But obviously, let's not forget as well, it was a really turbulent time for Villa when he actually joined under Dean Smith where they were really struggling they were hovering over the relegation places he's had a few injuries as well um so it's not just worked, it's not worked out in the, in this occasion on the first season but in terms of Basuma I mean it seems that, well obviously we all know Villa's Villa's capabilities in terms of their finances at the moment they've got a, a, a very very rich ownership and that has obviously been seen with the speculation of Calvin Phillips for like 60 million and obviously Basuma, who's probably going to cost around that. Um, I would have thought that Basuma would have been targeted or will want to go to clubs like Arsenal or like Liverpool. Um, but it just seems as though Villa are going to be pretty ambitious in the in the transfer window this summer, judging off the speculation coming out of them. Um, but I, if, if I was Villa, well, to be honest, I do like Watkins. I think he's a really good striker. Um, but I would still give Ings another go for another season, considering he, considering the seasons he had at Southampton. But then when you look at it on the flip side, I do think he'll be a massive success for Brighton as well. I just feel as though he'd probably fit their style of play way better. Um, and obviously you can't rely on Mopey's 97th minute goals every single game. So you do need another outlet in, in some occasions. Um, so I do think, it, I think it'd be a good transfer, but um, I just don't see Basuma wanting to go to Villa. And that's no disrespect to Villa, but it's just the fact that I feel like his qualities are a level above that in my opinion yeah it could be an interesting summer for, for Danny Ings it just depends on I suppose he does seem to be someone that makes quite straightforward non-professional footballer choices if that makes uh, sense he seems to kind of go go with his nose and, and that goes back to the Villa move this summer there was no speculation and gossip and all the rest of it he just thought I fancy this I'm going done contract signed box ticked and whatever happens this summer I reckon it'll be probably uh, relatively low key we are going to call it there for today's edition of the Football Social Daily Marley Joel as always on a Tuesday morning thank you for your time cheers guys thank you guys Great stuff indeed. As always, here on FSD, we are here every single day of the week. The guys will be back tomorrow reviewing Chelsea. Did they do the impossible? Did they do the almost impossible? You'll have to wait and see. They're also going to be previewing the two big ones involving Liverpool and Manchester City. Liverpool taking on Benfica and Manchester City heading to Atletico Madrid. So plenty to come this week. Don't forget to hit subscribe and you can get access to that show and all of the shows between now and the end of the season as soon as they are ready. Thanks so much for listening and we'll speak to you again very, very soon. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.